0: Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studio debuting the new podcast look.
1: The green helmet is awfully sharp and I do like my bobble head.
0: (laughs) I got Sammy D over here. Le'Veon Bell looks ready to roll and the Hulkster. The Hulkster, yeah. I got the old school guys. The old school helmet. Classic. We got Rivas Island. Then we got the mad backer, Bart Scott, and we got the hitman, David Harris. So the old school, the new school. That's a good set of inside
1: linebackers, and Mm. you have a lockdown cornerback.
0: Yeah, if if we're going to like NFL Street, I I feel good about my chances. (laughs) We got the silent assassin, and then we got the loud assassin. Well, I got two silent assassins with the hitman and Revis. Then Bart will just do all the talking on the street. So that's good, but today's episode, we're joined by Chris Hogan who probably it took him two practices or so to really start making an impact in training camp? I don't even know if it took him that long.
1: Adam Gase was not surprised at all. There's some system familiarity because he was with New England under Josh McDaniels, and he comes into this system, picks up a new terminology, and Sam Darnold automatically, it felt like, just from us watching, that he had trust in him. And obviously... Uh, Picked up the system quick, and he looks like a veteran out there. And I can't believe he's, what, 32 years old right now? But Hogan is a guy who came in this summer who could play a key role for this offense that I think Adam Gase has talked about the sum is greater than maybe it's Parts individually here. So there are a lot of Jets who I think are going to contribute offensively. And this is a guy who has made a lot of plays in the National Football League. And he's got a big-time ship on his shoulder.
0: And Chris Hogan joining the Jets makes him complete AFC East bingo. Started with the Dolphins. That had a stint with the Bills and the Patriots. And now he's a member of the New York Jets. Really quick, Chris Hogan and we discussed his Penn State career, which was all across before he became a football player at Monmouth and then the NFL, gave uh, he gave some recommendations for food spots yeah. in his hometown or in that area, which is Ramapo, New Jersey, and Wyckoff. But one thing we didn't talk to him about was his 7-Eleven nickname, which Reggie Bush gave him with the Miami Dolphins on Hard Knocks. But I just have to know, do you have any nicknames growing up, or did you have any nicknames that you liked growing up well i'll
1: do the return question here in a second my sister early on my first nickname was doc because she could not not pronounce eric i was not expecting i was not
0: expecting you to say she's
1: only two years older than me so maybe she started doing that when she was two or three or whatever and that stuck with me for a little bit and then middle school high school ea became Uh, my moniker I guess my nickname and uh, it kind of stuck with me throughout my career I do have an interesting story in Tampa in 2000 (laughs) Keyshawn Johnson a former Jet and myself got in an argument about top top receivers in the AFC East okay and at the time I grew up in Buffalo and I said Eric Moulds is one of the better receivers in the AFC and Keyshawn's like Eric Molds is, he might not even been one of the top receivers in the AFC East. So we went back and forth on that a little bit. And, then, and how old were you? Like, get in this argument with Keyshawn? Well, I'd uh, be giving away my age right now. But That's like, my first year in the National okay. Football League. Let's right. just say it's 2000. So in Tampa, they called me E Molds for a while. So Doc <laughs> EA, E Molds.
0: That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Um,. One nickname that stands out more than others when I was growing up was it has a good backstory, but it was e-Train, like a train. and the, the, the why reason, you grew up in New York City. Well no, no, but that's not where it comes from. So I was at like a, at camp or something, right? and we had to do these football drills where you had to run over these dummies and there was a counselor at the end just waiting to pummel you. Yeah. and I was a chunky kid. So yeah, yeah, oh yeah, a chunk, we'll chunky the, kid. Well, to of it. Yeah, I, I, time. I got photos. I was a chunkster. Okay. And so I'm running through the bags, and everyone is getting pummeled at the end. Yeah. And I just, I just low center of gravity. I just stood, and so, so some guy was like, "Damn, that's a train, that's E train." And then I was like, "All right, great. I don't really like that because at the time I was chunky, and then it just stuck, and now I like it. So there you go. Right. E train, doc. 7-11 is 7-11. a good one, though.
1: 7-11 is pretty cool if but, you are a wide receiver. But
0: I will say in rush hour, too, Jackie Chan says, um, you know why they call him 7 talking about his partner Chris Tucker. And uh, Don Cheadle goes, no, why is that? He goes, because his mouth is always open. Because he, he never shuts up. I think, so, H- I
1: think Hogan's a guy who is always <laughs> going, not necessarily with his mouth. I just think that that's his reputation, oh, yeah. He he's a battler. He, he's he is got some fire inside him, bottom line. So. It's a
0: good nickname for Chris Hogan, it's a bad nickname for Chris Tucker in rush hour two. But without further ado, let's hear from Chris Hogan on the week one matchup against the Bills. So you're a Ramapo, New Jersey guy. What is it like driving to work knowing that you one grew up in the area and two you're now part of one of two hometown teams.
2: It's it's um it's an awesome opportunity um, you know growing up in this area and still having family and friends that still live in the area. You know, when I was when I got the opportunity to come here during training camp, you know, everyone was so thrilled and and so pumped to me and my family, you know, being close to me and Um, Obviously, growing up around these teams and watching these teams, you know, when I was younger um, to come to an organization like this, I mean, it was I was beyond excited. Um, You know, it's great in the in the latter half of my career to come home and and play, you know, close to home and, and, and for a team that's, you know, I grew up watching. Um, it's, you know, I'm just really excited
1: about it. How crazy is that? You just talked about this being the latter half of your career. It feels like (laughs) yesterday you were an undrafted free agent out of Monmouth.
2: Goes by fast, man. Um, (laughs) you know, this is going to be my 10th year. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you know, you play when you first start playing, you know, you listen to these vets talk about how fast your your career goes by and in have a blink of an eye, you'll be four or five years in and you don't really ever listen to them because you're just worried about so many other things. And I was, you know, always focused on just trying to make a football team. And here I am now 10 years later, um, you know, so grateful that I'm able to, you know, put another year together and uh, excited to be here with the Jets.
1: Unique situation, though, considering your family. We talked about you growing up in New Jersey. Why, mm-hmm. why were the Jets attractive, not just from a football perspective, but maybe from a family front?
2: I mean, from my family front, I mean, you know, I have three kids. I have twin three-and-a-half-year-olds. I have a 10-month-old, well, actually 11 months old now. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I put my family to the ringer, man. I mean, I've been in Buffalo, uh, New England, Carolina, and, you know, God bless my wife. I mean, she's traveled all over the country for me. You know, she's driven my kids up to New England every single weekend. She's come up to Buffalo. She flew down to Carolina. And when I had the opportunity to come play here, you know, in New Jersey and be so close to home, you know, we were beyond excited about it. You know, I'm able to be. You know, we don't live we don't live together during the year um, because my wife she works. She's a doctor. You know, she has her own career. And the fact that I'm able to be home so much and, and be around them during the season. Um, you know it's, it's super exciting so I grew up here I'm comfortable in the area you know so I'm just I'm really pumped to be here and be part of this organization.
0: Chris with what you just said where during the season you don't see your wife and kids a whole lot in a weird way was quarantine kind of nice for you to be able to spend so much time with your family?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, Ashley, my wife and I, we, we talked about that the other day. I mean, you know, we hadn't spent that much time together since we started dating back in college, <laughs> honestly, you know, and we spent every single day together. I mean, she her work stopped, you know, because a lot of her surgeries were elective. So um, she wasn't working. Uh, so we were we were together every single day. My kids were together. I'm sure they weren't used to me being so so much. Um <laughs> So you know what I mean? Honestly, it was it was a blessing in the sky. You know all this stuff. I you know, being able to be home and and you know not have to travel as much and and just to be around my family and really kind of you know not take that for granted. Um, you know it was a it was a it was a unique off season and everything that was going on. And obviously it wasn't. You know we were home a lot and you we know, we weren't traveling or doing anything. But you know in in the same respect, you know. We were around each other, and, and it was it was time that we really have never been able to spend together you know, since we've been married and since we've had kids. So, um, you know, it, it was it was a fun off season.
1: What is her focus in the medical field? And while all this was going on, would you go home and say? Okay, they're telling us this right now about COVID nineteen. What do you think? And she probably she's probably like, give she, me a break.
2: She um. So she is a podiatrist. So she does foot and ankle surgery. And I would I would say for the most part, my wife was you know she she kept us on board with all this stuff, and you know we were sanitized to the max. Um, you know we had, we had it down. I mean, it took a couple of weeks for me to get on board, but, you know, we had the sanitizer in the car, the wipes in the car. And you know what, at, at the end, when I look back on it, I mean, I'm so thankful that she was just so on top of all this stuff. Cause you never know, mm-hmm. you know, we were still going to grocery stores and, you know, we had to do daily things, you know, you know, with our kids and, um, you know, we didn't take them out obviously, but, um, you know, she she kept us clean. So, we, we, you know, they're they're all into washing their hands. And, you know, we have our own routine. And, you know, it was she she kept us on track so that we, you know, thankfully none of us got sick and we've all remained healthy throughout this whole thing.
0: Did you get to the point where you had to wipe down the groceries you bought? like the Oh, stuff we, we have there? a
2: whole routine. <laughs> 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 we went, so, I mean, honestly, it's a two-person job the way that we had it. I mean, we went to the grocery store pretty much. You know, every Monday we'd go. We do that. We do our target run so that we had diapers, wipes. You know, whatever paper towels. Obviously, we're always on the hunt for paper towels. Um, and uh, when we got home, it was we had the routine. She she would wipe everything down. I would re-wipe everything down, and then we put it all the way. So, and we're still doing this. It like became a habit now. So. Uh, probably for the better. I mean, super clean, so we're not taking any chances.
1: <laughs> there are so many directions we could go to right now, but let's go to, let's go to the football field, Chris. Um, what was your approach to training camp? Because a lot of people that I've talked to say, hey, this is a guy who plays with an edge. Like, he, he is a pissed-off player in a good way. He's looking to make a point out there how was training camp and now what do you think about getting another opportunity here as you go to buffalo
2: so you know this this whole off season for me was was unique right i mean we we, i was a free agent i was coming off an injury didn't have an opportunity to really go work out for teams and just had to remain pretty patient you know my patience was certainly tested and for me, you know, I was pretty dead set on playing football this year i didn't care where it was and what what they wanted me to do, whatever role it wanted it to be that I was dead set on playing football and when I got the opportunity, you know when the Jets called and they wanted to bring me in, realistically I, I didn't really care if people knew who I was or what I had accomplished over the years um, I just wanted to play, and I wanted to play, you know, with that chip on my shoulder that I had started when I started my career. Um, you know, the, the guy that, you know, will do anything and everything to make a football team, to go out there, and whatever's asked of me, do it. And, you know, that's what I'm excited about doing, and, you know, that's what I think these guys have brought me in here to do, and, and I'm excited about it.
0: Chris, when you get brought into training camp at the stage you did, I've always wondered this. Your first day at practice – when you haven't really fully digested the playbook, who's helping you out with what route you should run? Is that a is that a coach? Is that like Sean Jefferson? Is that mm-hmm. Sam Darnold? Like, how does that process work?
2: So, I mean, I think for me, I've I've you know been in the league for ten years, and obviously there were there were some similarities to this offense. You know, I picked up this offense pretty quickly, um, and obviously in any offense, in any playbook, it's just going to take time and, and you're know, putting in the work and the effort to actually study it and learn the details and whatnot. Um, having Sean and having Hines uh, as receiver coaches is, is awesome. I mean, to have two guys that played in the league for as long as they did and to have as much success as they did um, is awesome. You know, they're just so knowledgeable about it. And so when you first get there, um, I think there's a little bit, you know, they helped me out. Um, kind of told me, you know, first day, I mean, I hadn't even looked at the playbook yet. So they were kind of just line up here, run this route. And then each day, you know, you, you just progress and I learn a little bit more and learn a little bit more to the point where, you know, they didn't have to help me. It was on me and trying to hold myself accountable to learning the offense myself and not having someone to, you know, walk around and follow me and tell me what to run. Um, you know, so it was, it was a learning curve and, you know, had to do it pretty quickly given, you know, the point that I came in in training camp, but, you know, I kind of knew that coming into this. So I was prepared for the task and, um, you know, just, you know, continue to continuing to work on you know learning this offense so that I can go out there and, you know, play fast and know what I'm doing.
1: You played with the greatest quarterback, uh, perhaps of all time. And Tom Brady had a lot of success with the Patriots. This is your fourth and final team in the AFC <laughs> East, I would say. You've completed the circuit. What do I've you th- completed it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the landscape of this division now as you start going for – this is another homecoming for you going back to Buffalo, but just the landscape of the division, how does it feel uh, very different as a player without Tom being in there? Yeah, I mean – you know, it's,
2: it's obviously different being on the opposite side of things um, and, you know, looking at the, my, our opponents in, you know, New England, Buffalo and Miami. And I think definitely things have changed a little bit. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, every single one of these teams in this division is competitive. And as you guys know and, you know, everyone else knows, I mean, it's tough to win in this league and, Um, you know, Buffalo is coming off a strong year. Um, I think Miami is getting it together and new England's always going to be competitive. You know, they're always going to put out the best players out there and have a good game plan. And, um, you know, going up to new England's always tough, but you know, I think, you know, what we have going on here. I mean, we, I I really like the way that we're, we're working this year and, uh, the team that we have in this locker room, we got a, a really awesome bunch of guys in here that are hungry you know young and and want to win football games so you know i think going starting in buffalo i think is best case scenario you know you get to open with a with in your league and in the division um you know in front of no fans but you know <laughs> which will be kind of weird but it, it's Definitely, I think it's a it's an awesome opportunity for us you you, know, to start this way.
1: You developed chemistry with Sam Darnold early on. A lot of onlookers out there at camp would think that you guys have been playing together for years. What do you like most about his game?
2: Sam, I mean, Sam throws the ball awesome. I mean, his, his accuracy, uh, his command. You know, I'm learning how to communicate with him, you know, every single day that we're out in practice. And, you know, I'm trying to get in as many reps as I can and just trying to talk to him. You know about what he sees and how he likes things run because I think that quarterback receiver relationship is so key to having success on the field you know something like that definitely takes time so you know in every single practice and every single time that we're watching film or after you know after a team period you know just going up to him and asking him questions I mean the guy you know he's very knowledgeable about the game and this offense you know he's been in it now for a couple of years and um you know i think the more and more that we get to work together you know that that relationship just will continue to build and um you know the timing will will continue to get better and um i think that's really what we're working on right now and uh you know we'll be putting in a lot of work this this week to get ready for buffalo
0: chris i got a two-part question for you for my last one the first Mm -hmm. one is as somebody that used to hear the Bills Mafia roar, how weird is it to be playing up there with no fans? And the second part of this is just to be able to communicate with the rest of your teammates, even though there probably will be crowd noise of some sort, but to be able to Mm -hmm. communicate at a better level than maybe you typically would be able to on the road.
2: It's going to be weird. I mean, I played there for four years and I've, in new england i played there you know that place is electric and week one home opener and i played in those games i mean that crowd is is wild and (laughs) loud. and um it's tough to even you know it's tough to communicate in those games and the fact that there's not going to be that element in these games you know i think it you know it works to everyone's advantage but Obviously, the, the opponent offense, you know, not having to deal with, you know, an insane amount of noise on third down and in the red zone and in those, you know, two-minute drills or whatever it is, you know, the, the fact that we can actually communicate and most likely hear each other, um, you know, will definitely be different. Um, but it's, again, it, I think it works to our advantage that we're going to be able to do all of that.
1: And my final question is you were such a – Excellent lacrosse player at Penn State before transferring to Monmouth and doing everything there. Is Jim Brown the greatest athlete Uh, of all time, considering what Jim Brown did as a lacrosse player before coming (laughs) over to the National Football League?
2: Uh, Say that? What was the question?
1: Uh, uh, Jim Brown, greatest athlete of all time, because you know exactly what he did. It, being oh, yeah. such an accomplished lacrosse player and then you could have made the argument that he was the greatest lacrosse player of all time and then you could make the argument he was the greatest running back of all time
2: I mean that guy in, in the lacrosse football crossover community I mean that guy's the legend you know, <laughs> um, you, know you you try to you try to be the, the next Jim Brown right I mean Playing lacrosse, I mean, I, you know, I think that as this sport continues to grow, I think people become more aware of the degree of, you know, skill and athleticism that goes into playing the sport. And, um, you know, you see it now on TV more in the PLL. And and I think people are starting to become more aware of, you know, these guys just as athletes. And then, uh, you know, to be able to do that in two different sports at a professional level, I mean, Pretty incredible. I gotta, I you know the bar is set, so now I have to. When I'm done playing football, I'm gonna to have to go try to play in the PLO. I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have any of the fellas asked you about your lacrosse career?
2: Um, you know, I think some guys, you know, when I'm new, new and I tell them that I played four years of lacrosse, they kind of <laughs> look at me kind of with a, an odd look, like I played a year of football, and then I tell them that I that I played cornerback in college and not receiver. And then they really give me that weird like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I love telling you guys about my story and where I come from, you know, because that's such a huge part of me. And, and, you know, what helped me get to where I'm at today.
0: Awesome. Love it. Real quick before we let you go, if somebody's in the Ramapo Wyckoff area, which restaurant or pizza place or whatever are you telling them to go? What's your go to spot?
2: That's a good question. There, I mean, there's no. Ah, man. Well, let's see. I would, It's not in Wyckoff. I'm a big Nelly's Pizza guy. It's in okay. Waldwick. Best pizza I've ever had. Wow. Nelly's wow. Pizza.
0: And is this like a thin slice or and then, a thick and slice? And then hold
2: on. And then if you need, if you're going for a deli and you need a sandwich, you go to you go to Market Basket.
0: Market, Market Best Basket sandwiches. Yeah. And what type of, like, is the Nelly's pizza thin? Is it Sicilian? Thin crust,
2: great sauce, good food. Love it. Love it. It's awesome. All right, <laughs> Nelly's
1: pizza.
0: Yeah, we, we got to hit up Nelly's pizza. Appreciate the Nelly's time, Chris. Pizza. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you. Chris Hogan dropping some restaurant knowledge. We alluded to it earlier. But how do you like your pizza? He said he likes thin slice. Some people prefer the Sicilian, the thicker. Uh, I, I like grandma pizzas.
1: Thin slice, I mean, that's as thin as you can be. I don't like the (laughs) traditional pizza
0: like uh, like grandma pies. So you like, if this is, if there's, if your normal pie, your standard pie is just average, and then there's thin, you prefer it thinner than thin? Yeah. You like almost like cracker, like cracker crust? I love grandma pizza, all right? (laughs) (laughs) Period. (laughs) I don't okay. like that Chicago deep dish. No, that, that, that's City not pizza. pizza. That's Good. lasagna. That's, yeah. Chicago deep dish is not – I don't like it either. Uh, can, I'm can, sorry. Can we talk about Sunday a little bit? Uh, yeah, we can.
1: Hogan going back to Buffalo, interesting storyline. And like he said, it is going to be weird for all of those players, especially a guy like the new Jets receiver who started – basically had his breakout – in Buffalo before he went on to New England. Here's the guy who's averaged 13.3 yards of reception over the course of his career. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago 17.9 yards of reception with the New England Patriots. That led the NFL. He is going to be counted on early for this team, considering the injuries they've had to deal with throughout the summer, right? We'll have to see as the week progresses what Prashad Perryman's status is. Also, Denzel Mims um, but Hogan is a guy who had an impressive training camp, but uh, it's going to be interesting atmosphere as, as he goes
0: back to Buffalo, one of his former homes. No doubt about it. What this is going to? This is Monday as we're recording. Less than a week away, like six days away. Even by the time this podcast gets posted, it'll be less than that. Football is around the corner, and that's all we have here on the official Jets podcast, powered by Amazon Web Services. We'll see you after week one next week.